looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Morning, everyone. Past the Post for Sunday, the 22nd of October. Thanks for your company. Of course, Past the Post each and every Sunday, brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Website, archerparkracing.com.au. Good luck to the team with Head Honcho. Uh, promising two-year-old of the Sunshine Coast today. Hope it wins for you. Ben Dorries, good morning. You good. said you needed a lift. Well, what do I need to do? Uh, Give me some money. I just feel like I need another coffee. But uh, no, I'm good as gold. I'll tell you what. You know how I like stirring the pot. Uh, I'm calling the spring, Queensland spring. Queensland day yesterday after the Queensland form, if you don't mind, stood up the week before. We think about it winning the Everest mm. uh, without a fight. Uh, obviously won the Caulfield Cup, who we saw up here winning the Q22. Throw in Radina, who won the Epsom, and Antino, obviously, who has won in Melbourne as well. Gee whiz, that winner. Carnival form's looking good, David Fowler. And Kovalika, a good chance coming up in the Golden Eagles. So yes. Has... Shame it's not in the Cox Plate. Yes. Why isn't it in the Cox Plate? Anyway. You've lifted all of a sudden. I'm getting angry. You've lifted all of a sudden. It'll just be warming up at the end of a Golden Eagle, Adels. Well, Golden Eagle and Cox Plate are ahead of us, but it was Caulfield Cup Day yesterday, and I think we've watched the race a few times. I think one of the, 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 the better Caulfield Cups in recent times, it was a great stash at the end between who were the two best stayers on the day without a fight at West Wind Blows, but also, Ben, a genuinely run race. They ran at a good tempo. They are just outside the track record, and there were no excuses. You couldn't watch that race and say... It should have finished closer. It should have won. Blah, blah, blah. They had their chance, and it was a great, great spectacle and a great finish. Yeah, the only excuse was a self-inflicted wound, really, and that was Sulcum. Dead set missed the start as far as you could throw your hat. But, I mean, that was probably always going to happen. So, I mean, an excuse of some sorts. But, I mean, look, it's easy to say in retrospect, but I did say this actually in the lead-up to the race. If you want to back a horse in the Caulfield Cup at $8 that has a habit of missing the start, Good luck to you. He's a good horse, Sulcum, but to be a really good horse, there's a thing called jumping out of the barriers that might help him. It was well, not, not comical if you were on it, or, or funny if you're on it, but you watch him uh, when the barriers open. He just stands there and says, you lot get going first and I'll, I'll just follow you around. He, just, he, he didn't really, he was as, as placid as anything and just, just strolled out of the gates. It's like having a Ferrari in the garage, but not sort of being able to take it out. I mean, I, I actually feel like clearly Solcom's a very good horse. Um, but, yeah, it's a bit like the AFL Ford that takes a lot of marks but just can't convert the goal. Well, what's the sort of point, you know? Yes. Anyway. Well, let's have a listen to the race first up. There's a bit to discuss out of it too, but let's go to the replay with Matt Hill. And West Wind Blows was the Cup favourite at $5.50. Spirit Ridge at the 600 metres led the field from United Nations who your male's got a split, right you are made a line of four, they're a length and a half Valiant King, breakups coming on, so too West Wind Blows without a fight's the widest, Gold Trippers tracking into it, needs a run though, right you are who your male into the straight from Valiant King, West Wind Blows, breakup, they were followed by Bois d'Argent without a fight and Gold Tripper running on, West Wind Blows at the 200, without a fight runs on, lays in on top of Gold 
trip. West Wind blows 100 to go. Without a fight, coming at it. Without a fight, West Wind blows. The head's in unison. Without a fight. Without a fight, won the Caulfield Cup. Narrowly from West Wind blows and gold trip. Fourth right you are, Aubois d'Argent. Followed then by Valiant King Sulcombe. Break up and Duke de Cessa. Behind them, Huyamal, United Nations. And then came Goldman Montefilia. Spirit Ridge got tired. Francesco Guardia, Kita Sushi. And always towards the back was fame. A long last emissary. Yes, uh, a long head separated without a fight and West Wing blows at the finish. Gold trip in third, Bois in fourth. And as I mentioned, it was run with a good gallop, just a second outside of Diatribe's track record. Uh, there was a lot in the, a lot to unpack and a lot happened before the starter even said go um, concerning without a fight and, and particularly Mark Zara. Uh, the suggestion, we even spoke about this a few weeks ago, that the gold trip wasn't going to run on the cup. Then he was in, but there was still no guarantee. They said if the track upgraded to a good three, uh, he'd be um, uh, not running. But, of course, Zara is Gold Trip's regular rider, won the Melbourne Cup on him. He made the choice to ride without a fight. He would have been preoccupied right through the week about the without a fight Gold Trip scenario. And then all of a sudden, just to add to that, there was, uh, you know, a, a vet inspection of without a fight later in the, or the latter part of the week. And there was a cloud there, so it wasn't a plain sailing before the starter said go. Yeah, there was a bit going on, and he even admitted, didn't he, Mark Zara, that he had a sleepless mm. night, I think, on Wednesday night, thinking, gee whiz, I love Gold Trip. This is my favourite horse, you know, in the, the whole universe, and I've got off it to, to ride this, this other horse. So he was sort of second-guessing himself, but there was a point where he just hit reset in his brain and thought, you know what, I've got to do the job on this horse. And that was a ride for the ages, I've got to say. That was just superb. He, I think he identified West Wind Blows mm. as clearly the main uh, danger in the race. Just tracked that horse. He gave his horse a lovely run on the fence. When West Wind Blows made its run, just got on its back and just um, just presented at the perfect time. I thought West Wind Blows uh, was really gallant in defeat. Gold Trip was an obvious eye-catcher as well. Do they go on? Uh, to the Cox Plate now uh, on Saturday. I mean, that's a, a point of interest, isn't it? We were talking off air, David. It is normally in a Caulfield Cup. You go through the replay of the Caulfield Cup 20 times uh, and you find something on the first or second time or even the 10th time, there's the Melbourne Cup smoky. There's something that's run on. It was unlucky. Uh, that's something I want to back in the Melbourne Cup and you get on at 30 to 1 or, or whatever it is and, and you think you might get a run for, for your money. I don't think there was anything outside of the three place getters without a fight, West Wind Blows or Gold Truck Trip that was a, a sort of a smoky or a hidden run or was unlucky, as we suggested. I don't think you need to look anything further back than the place getters in terms of the Melbourne Cup. I think you're right. It was a case of the cream rising to the top here. And, and just on, on Zara's ride, uh, a great he played a great stalking game, as you said, just followed West Wind Blows everywhere. Sometimes it doesn't work out the way you want it, but he must have just been so happy in the run. One, because the speed was good and he was, his horse was travelling. Two, he was following the right horse into the race and then got to the outside of the straight and made the best horse win, and it was without a fight. Now, what will happen with him now? He is entered for the Cox Plate. He's a $26 chance. Uh, does he run there? Probably unlikely. Does he run in the Melbourne Cup? I guess it might be a bit weather dependent. I mean, this horse cannot go a yard in the wet. Mm. So, look, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I suppose I have a... Uh, you know, he was one of the leading fancies last year for the Melbourne Cup, wasn't it? Until, yeah. like, obviously it was a wet track and it, it, you know, did no good. So maybe they have a look at long-range weather forecast. Who knows? But just back on Mark Zara, 
Uh, as I said, that was a ride for the ages. You couldn't possibly believe that he would be upstaged in the the post-race by a member of his own family. What about Ollie Sarah, his wife, the interview on Channel 7? I've never seen anything like it. She was off chops. Yeah, I was... I was um in the broadcast box at Eagle Farm, and I happened to catch the whole interview. <laughs> it was lively, to say the least. Again on Zara, like, what a week it's been. The the drama leading up, the ride of the ages, winning the Caulfield Cup, then uh, the suspension and the fine for uh, using the whip four times more than he should have before the 100 metres. Uh, a seven-day suspension, a cleverly managed one by the stewards, I might say, where... Where he doesn't miss the Cox Plate or, or the Derby, uh, but a fifty thousand dollar fine. Oh, it's a bit of a Clayton suspension, isn't it? I mean, seriously, it's a Clayton like, suspension, but it's not a Clayton's fine. No, but I mean, like I think Mark Zara's got a spare fifty grand, doesn't he? Like I don't think you'll have to look too too far. I saw some pictures on Instagram of him drinking some pretty expensive wine last night. So, look, um, uh, it but is. You, but, but you wouldn't see a fine like that in any other jurisdiction. It mm. is Victoria. No, you wouldn't. Um, uh, look, the other interesting element of this too is Ben Mellum obviously got the ride on a gold trip um, yesterday. Now, assuming gold trip runs in the Melbourne Cup, Mark Zara will be riding it. So there is a chance that Ben Mellum could actually go on without a fight in the Melbourne Cup, which would be intriguing. Mm, exactly right. A lot to play out still after yesterday's race, but uh, a very worthy winner. Just one final point, and Zara, who made the observation, uh, when... Without a fight, raced here during the, the winter and was so impressive. He said to the Freeman um, clan, he said, I'm not sure, but he, he said, he said, set this for the, the Cox Plate. He thought he was what he called to describe as a fast stayer, a horse who could stay but run really good sectionals but not be down. But he said, the horse is far more relaxed now. And, and that was clearly evident yesterday. He settled well and he was strong to the line. So. They've got a lovely horse there, considering that was only his tw- 22nd start yesterday for his 10th win. He's a seven-year-old, but he's been carefully managed. And uh, what happens in the next fortnight or is going to be more than interesting, to say the least. Yeah, West Wind Blows, interesting as well. Obviously, Simon and Ed Crisford used to train without a fight, so there's a bit of irony there. But, look, that horse will not be seen in the Melbourne Cup. I, I don't know whether it would necessarily stay the journey anyway, but you can only... Um, have one run in, uh, you know, according to stewards' rules in Victoria, these internationals can only have one run before the Melbourne Cup if they want to run in the Melbourne Cup. So West Wind Blows has obviously now had two. So, you know, obviously wasn't entered for the Melbourne Cup on that basis, but is likely uh, to perhaps be seen in the, I think it's the Champion Stakes, is that what they call it now, the 2,000-metre race on the last day of the Flemington Carnival. That was a Caulfield Cup for 2023, a good undercard. Let's go to listen to several of the replays. We'll go firstly to the race before the Caulfield Cup, the Munga Stakes, Group 3 level, and Nunthorpe, the informed Nunthorpe was the favourite, ran at $2.50. Coming up to the turn at the 450, it's Buffalo River in his favoured role, led by over a length to Nunthorpe, and then Climbing Star, they got away, four lengths, the Fortune Teller cause for concern to the outside. Buffalo River, kick for home at the 250, two lengths to Climbing Star, Nunthorpe, and then cause for concern and Fender, but it's Buffalo River, 150 metres to go, a length in front of Climbing Star, and then cause for concern, Buffalo River going strongly, and Buffalo River wins the race for the second time. Second climbing star, third cause for concern, fourth fender, then Mr Maestro, Nunthorpe punctured up and back with her, the fortune teller. Well, Buffalo River is eight years of age but is racing uh, like a horse half his age. He's had a new lease of life, this horse. We know that he likes to get out and run, run it hard 
and often he can be the the, the sitting shot. But his past three runs, uh, he's won twice at Caulfield at the 1400. He won the Tester Rossery, won the Munger Stakes yesterday, and between that, of course, was fourth in the weekend hustler. Let's talk more about him. He's he's a great horse. He's a great horse for the, the stable. Mike Moroni's the trainer. Mike, good morning. Good morning, guys. Hey, um, uh, one thing about this horse, Buffalo River, we sort of put horses in lanes and we say they're this and they're that. I think it's it's a fair comment to make that we once considered Buffalo River a superior wet tracker. I don't think you'd want to race on a good track, but it doesn't seem to matter now. He's flying along. He's probably never raced better. Yeah, look, he's going terrific at the moment, um, but he looks great uh, as well. And a decision, uh, I think Ollie rode him in one of the big ones, about six weeks ago, and the owners were pretty keen to retire him. And mm. I just said to them, look, I wouldn't mind giving him one last go and um, taking the earmuffs off him. Because the horse has never had an unsound day in his life, and he's, um, I don't know why he's been maligned as a wet tracker, because he was, I'm pretty sure he won one on the good quite early. Uh, and the piece of it might have been uh, a mile even at, at, um, at Flemington one day. But anyhow, he, I've never really considered him as a wet tracker. Um, and so we decided we'd do that, and, and away he went. So it just goes to show you, you know, you've, um, it's one of those things. He, he's, he's had the earmuffs on all his life because he's been a hard-going horse, and we thought it would might help him relax, especially when we started going a mile with him. Uh, but in the finish, he's one of them off um, and, and got got his um, rhythm back again and, and uh, been quite impressive. We saw him run in quite a few group ones early in his career. I think he might have run second in a Turak, um, but was there a time there he, he sort of, he didn't win for quite a while? Had he, had he sort of forgotten how to win there for a while? Had he lost confidence? What was going on? Yeah, I just think um, circumstances. And when you're when you're a leader like him, you, you've got to have things go your way a bit. Um, and just a couple of times he, you know, we spent a little bit of time trying to get him to relax and behind and probably was in a complete waste of time. Um, and even coming into this campaign, a lot of people were saying to me, why don't you just Ride him back, back a bit, and but you know he's just one of those horses. If you do that, he just fights you, and, and you can't stop him anyway. So he's like that on the track to work. Um, don't, he, he spent uh, most of his time on a treble this campaign as well. So especially the latter part, um, you know, we've well, only had a treble for the last so, two months, three months. So he spent the latter part uh, being trained with that a bit because he's a pretty hard going horse on the track. Mm. The other factor in part of this form revival is the jockey, Celine Gordray. Now, these sort of horses, as you say, he's a, a natural front-runner. He, he can go keenly. You've got to try and rate them as well as you can. Don't go too fast, but don't go too slow. But she's handling it beautifully. Yeah, the key to him is just to get him to get through a couple of furlongs mm. um, in a slightly relaxed state, and then, you, then you've got to let him do his, his own devices from there because he can pull the pressure on and he can pull it out for, the, for half a mile. Uh, that's what brings the rest of them undone. A few of them try and go with them, and the ones that have tried, it's been to their detriment. So he just seems to be able to he's got that, that half mile. He can run at a very fast time, and it's just a matter of, of, of timing it. And look, Celine's got it right most of the time. She got a little bit wrong on the weekend hustler, um, but that was a wide barrier draw too. And she just had to set up a light to get around uh, a few of them when they top the rise. And uh, you know, they go sort of climb a hill the first furlong there and before the first corner she had to just use it to get um, around them and then of course off he went um, just ran a couple of six was a little bit uh, too quick uh, but look she gets on lovely with them and, and I wasn't actually there at Sandy the other day I was 
thinking New Zealand from memory um, when she rode a, the Sandown um, Stakes and I thought at the time that he's really relaxed with her and and and, and really rode him well and kept it in the back of my mind that at some stage when the right race um, we could claim and that sort of thing or, or he had very little weight and we couldn't get a good senior rider uh, that I put her back on and um, that's what happened and away she went so um, yeah it's been a great association. Yeah, and, a, and a, a great association with the stable has Buffalo, Buffalo River. He's down in the Millionaires Club. He's won, yeah, he's won nine yep. races. Have you got another race picked out for him in the next week or two? Or yeah, three? we have. Yeah, look, there's a Group One for him um, at um, Caulfield. Now they put the, uh, the, the Rupert Clark, Clark yeah. back to um, Thousand Guineas Day, so that's certainly he'll be there all going well. Um, whether we give him a run in between, we'll just see because he's um, it's going to be a month between runs, which is not ideal for him, especially the way we train him. So. Um, we'll have to give a little bit of thought. What about your, uh, your thousand guineas prelude winner, Mike? Uh, you go a long way to see a better ride than that from Blake Shin on cool yeah. line from the from the outside gate, wouldn't you? You did right. Yeah, look, he's um, interesting to deal with, Blake. He, he he's a real um, horse lover, and he comes in and he rides her work and just loves her. And um, I heard him on one of the comments yesterday he made. He said, my filly, yeah, that's about how he treats her. So, <laughs> um, she's uh, just a, a talented, super talented filly um, that's really pretty unmade still. And that's going to be our job now is to hold her up for the 1,000 guineas. Um, because she's still, uh, to me, in another six months' time, will be a, a hell of a lot better. Um, she just worried us a bit yesterday. She got pretty much on her toes. Um for her, she been that was one of her attributes. That even though she wasn't a, a robust filly, she wasn't taking a lot out of herself um, race day. And, and I thought, well, that's we were going to get away with it because she's not mature yet. And then she let herself down a bit yesterday, and I, I was starting to really worry about it. But um, she got by, um, and uh, just uh, I, I think we were sort of um, the horse stalls are pretty close to the track at Caulfield. Whereas Rooney Valley, they're right behind, and they don't see what's going on, but. Um, there was a, a lot of people here yesterday and she just got a little bit on her toes, mainly before the race. But once we got it settled up, she did quieten down and was a long way better. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, we've got a bit of a job to do to get her through because um, I do think that she's not physically anywhere near a best yet. She's a six a six dollar second favourite for the thousand guineas. What do you make of the reprogramming date wise of the thousand guineas? Obviously on the eighteenth of November this year. I mean, just generally, and for your feeling in particular, does it sort of work for or against her? Or how yeah, do you feel? interesting. Look, you'd say that the, the first thing you'd say it's the only place in the world that holds a, a thousand guineas after an Oaks. Um, very unusual, but I mean, let's see how. It, uh, how it works out because you know you got the filly of gays that say ran in the 2000 yesterday and got run down. Now she might decide to come back for the thousand guineas instead. Um, but you know, interesting, uh, very, very interesting because it certainly suited this filly of mine. Um, and uh, you know, it's going to be interesting, you know, but the only thing it does do it does stop that filly from you know, winning an Oaks and a, um, and a thousand guineas, it, it does. It's going to be very hard to come back from the 2,500 metres, which is quite sapping, um, to, say, running a, a mile a couple weeks later. What was the uh, post-race on Emissary in the Cup? He'll be going for centigraphy. We, we can't. He's a, a very, very strange 
Riders say he pulls up sore. By the time he gets back to the parade area, he's fine. Um, they trotted him up yesterday. About every third stride, he was a little bit off on one. Uh, but look, we can't find it. We, we've x-rayed him. We, we just, uh, you know, we've scratched our heads. But he won't go forward this campaign now. We'll, we'll send him for scintigraphy and see if we can find out exactly where it is. But um, it's, it's usually you can find it in x-rays or even if you block them and trot them up and, and whatever. But he hasn't had a sore, a sore day. So it's a, you know, a really difficult one to work out. Um, and the horse also looks terrific. Like he stood out in the parade area. Um, and usually horses have a bit of pain. That they, they don't do that, though. They're not. Uh, they don't keep their condition. Just things that I've learned over the years that usually uh, telltale signs aren't there. So, yeah, real, real head-scratcher. Yeah, real mystery. Anyway, good day at the office with Buffalo River and Curvalon. Good luck for the rest of the carnival, mate. Thanks for joining us. OK, thanks for having me. Mike Moroni joining us this morning, training a double there at Caulfield yesterday. Blake yeah. Shin, good rider. Oh, he's in... Um... I think we've always known he's a good rider, but, um, you know, we had an interesting time over there in Hong Kong. I think it was real down in the dumps for a while and wonder sort of where his future lay and was trying to sort of break through at that level and struggled for a while. But um, as Mike said, he's just a real horseman. Um, and you'd want him riding for your life, I reckon. And he is in the form of his life. I know he's been a jockey for a long time now, but I reckon right now he's in a purple patch. Let's have a listen to the Tristark. This was the Group 2 for the Mayors. The favourite was the Kiwi visitor Skew Whiff at $3.70. So the leader is Rota Arataki. Came up towards the corner from Seymajika half away. Waltz on by in plenty of air. Skewiff behind them needs a bit of luck. And then came Cool Die. Madame Pomery's going to hunt the fence. Revolutionary missed to the outside from Shuffle Dancer. Rota Arataki went for home at the 250. A length in front of Skewiff who persists with a run up on the inside. Rota Arataki about three quarters to Skewiff who has to breathe in. Then Waltz on by and Cool Die late. Rota Arataki 50 metres to go, packing too many punches and one. Wrote to Arataki has won it from Shuffle Dancer, Cool Dye, Madame Pomery. Then Waltz on by and Skewiff. Next to finish in the race, Wallen by Revolutionary Miss and Seymajik. Yeah, Wrote to Arataki, a very competitive and consistent man. There's only sort of one blot on the copy book. I don't know what happened uh, at Flemington on the Leds alone, but nevertheless, either side of that, the form is good. Uh, Dean Yendel Road, and uh, she started $6.00. Around 123.53. What did Dean Yendall say during the week? Oh, I'm not going to repeat it on air, David. <laughs> it was quite windy where he was riding, and he made a uh, quip about. Um, oh, I can't really. I can't yeah. re- no, thanks for putting me in, uh, under the spotlight. Well, it, 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 it was a, a talky point of sorts. I, I missed it and can't find it. <laughs> but but I, I have found out what it was. It wasn't that bad, was it? Oh, it's just stuff you probably shouldn't be saying on air. Oh, got, he got him in a bit of hot water with the stewards, and um, and he issued an, an apology as well. But look, it was a, it was a nice win for him yesterday because he, he's had a actual a bit of a tough time. Like he through he got injured. I remember he was riding Stepati, got taken yeah. off. Well, not taken off. He was injured, so lost the ride on Stepati. So. I think that was actually a pretty emotional win for him. He had his wife Christine and his family on track. And no, David, I'm not going to say on air. You're trying to, you're trying to get me sacked. But, if you, <laughs> but if you want to see a if you want to see a politically correct apology, read his. He'll see counselling and blah blah. Give me a spell. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he didn't write it. Of all people, let's go to the McCafe Sprint. This is a Group Two race, and the uh, Godolphin Spacewalk was the favourite. Two dollars seventy.
into the straight. They sprint for home at the 300. Generation up the duel. Indian Pacific next the inside and Spacewalk running on Lofty Strike still last. Generation up the duel. Here's Spacewalk the outside. Made a line of three, 100 metres to go. Spacewalk up the duel. Spacewalk and duel. They're going to hit it together. Duel! Duel has kicked and beaten Spacewalk. Generation third from General Bow, Indian Pacific and Lofty Strike. It was only a small field, but Spacewalk ended up uh, in, a, in a sort of an awkward or, or tricky position, was back and wide in the small field. Thought it was going to win, but uh, as Matt said, Dool kicked and beat him home. Thought it was going to win. I know a few blokes who probably slept under bridges last night because they backed Spacewalk strongly. I'm sure it hit the lead. And it was just... I reckon if you were looking at live markets, it dead set would have been a dollar thirty. But um, yeah, good on Duel. This was one of the uh, Rosemont um, mm. horses that they bought a, a couple of years ago, named after former AFL footy greats, and, and tried to turn into stallions. I think this guy had, had three different homes. Annabel Neesham, uh admitted post race, um, she sort of half stuffed up. She was going to you know run this horse in the benchmark race yesterday. She was convinced by the ownership group to have a crack at this group too, and look what happened. Let's turn our attention to some of the younger horses yesterday, and we've discussed this race, but let's have a listen to the replay. Blake Shin riding Curvalon for Mike Maroney in the Thousand Guineas Prelude. They run up towards the corner with approximately 400 to go. It's Oz Empress tried to get away. A length and a half in front of Azula. Kawervalant now three and four deep. Lovely looking under pressure. And then came Zorion. Matawai on the inside. And then came Moesha. Kawervalant sidled up on the outside and took the front. 200 metres to go. A length and a quarter. Zorion inhibitions and Moesha. Kawervalant. A length. Zorion inhibitions. Vivier late. Kawervalant 50 metres to go. This has been a terrific ride. And Kawervalant wins it. Second, Vivier or Zorion, then Moesha inhibitions from Bossy Nick. Next to Zula, from Apache Song, Rose of Shalar. Matawai next to finish, trailed in by Oz Empress, Stella Mafid, Lazago, and lovely looking. It's only a fourth career start. Um, the intention wasn't to go forward, but uh, she jumped so well, Blake, she took matters into his own hands, and you saw the rest, and she goes to the thousand guineas. Of course, uh, lead-ups to the, the Derby in the Oaks were held earlier in the day. The first race we're going to have a listen to is the uh, Ethereal Stakes, and this was at uh, Group 3 level. Tropical Squall shown the whip on the point of the corner and she dashed away three lengths Grinzinger Bell Saxon Beauty is gone Autumn Angels got out Kona Santa down the outside Tropical Squall 200 metres to go two and a half Kona Santa and Autumn Angel Tropical Squall 100 metres to go Autumn Angels pegging her back Tropical Squall grabbed by Autumn Angel she's got her Autumn Angel gets up to win it a half length Tropical Squall photo third Basilina or Kona Santa and they were followed by another U a gap Saxon Beauty Wings of Song and Bond Mistress Grinzinger Bell, Coco Sun, Everlasting Kiss, and then came Dolphin Skin, and last of all was Lady Tempest. Yes, uh, Autumn Angel successful there for Catherine Coleman and Peter Moody in trading partnership. This race, uh, compared in stark, stark contrast to the, the race before for the male three-year-olds, they ran about two seconds faster, but Autumn Angel... Uh, only lightly race, but staking a claim for the Oaks. Yeah, and was strong late. This continued a horror start, even though Autumn Angel was four dollars eighty. You know, it, was, it was hardly rough, but obviously Riff Rocket went under at a dollar twenty eight in the previous race. Tropical Squall went under here at two dollars and five. So punters were on their knees. Having said that, a few people would have found Autumn Angel. It looked awkward, didn't it, for Billy Egan trying to get through. And after the race, uh, he said, basically in the last couple of hundred metres, he was thinking what Peter Moody would say and do to him if he didn't get through and get that gap. But he did, thankfully. 
And, uh, yeah, nice win. And uh, as you mentioned, Riff Rock had beaten at long odds on in the uh, the, the male three-year-old race. Uh, it's still $3 favoured for the derby, but it's eased a fraction than Sunset, who won, is at $5. Beaten fair and square, I've got to say, too, yeah. I think. Seem to have every chance. They were the highlights from Caulfield Cup Day yesterday, of course, Cox Plate Day next Saturday. Let's turn our attention now to Royal Randwick. And the first race we're going to go to is the Big Dance Wildcard event. The winner gets into the big race on Melbourne Cup Day. Into the straight and Pandano skips a length in front, letting off the fence now. Highlights to give chase. It's highlights going after Pandano, King of the Castle, looking for clear running. Four Valor's gone. Lock Eagle pulls to the outside. Highlights moved up now. Highlights put the head in front from Pandano, King of the Castle going to third with Lock Eagle. Highlights just in front of King of the Castle. Highlights. King of the Castle. King of the Castle nailed it. Got up right on the line there to beat Highlights. Third between Pandano and Lock Eagle. Further back to Spangler Lions Roar. Then came a rogue bear from Flying Crazy Special Sway. Baby Rider Hal Manhattan. Baldy Coast Arameo. For Valor Weekend out from Journalism and Cisco Bay. King of the Castle goes to the big dance. There's an hour $18 chance. Joe Pride is his trainer and Joe joins us this morning on Past the Post. Joe, good morning. Hey, good morning. Tell us the background of this horse because he's a former Kiwi. I think the first start you gave him, he ran last on a race at Warwick Farm. Yeah, he hit a really heavy track on that occasion. He was, he's, um, he's come up from Riverton, which is the absolute bottom of the South Island, mm. um, basically staring at, staring at Antarctica, so pretty remote sort of um, little region there. And Kelvin Tyler is his original trainer and still is in the ownership. Um, Lyndon Galvin, who who um, got, helped get Eduardo into the stable, found him. Um, he's always on the lookout for these tried horses. And, yeah, we purchased um, a majority share in him and brought him over. It's been a really slow project getting him to do things um, our way. And um, But he's a, he's an interesting horse. He's got a lot of ability. He's a lovely big scopey horse. Um, probably not your traditional-looking thoroughbred, but... Um, there's something quite um, quite special about him. I really, I really like him. Now, if I said to you, Joe, 10 or 15 years ago, you'd be racing in a race called the Big Dance Wild Card, aiming to get to the Big Dance, but at one point you were maybe thinking of the Little Dance. You'd think I was talking in riddles and was a complete gibber. Isn't it amazing racing some of these some of these new races? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, th- this one's a, um, a bit unique, isn't it, in, in that it gives these country cup winners a chance. And what I like about it, I think he's done, they've done well for races Wales to, to create a... A, a consolation race as well. So, you know, because some of these country cups are obviously in a bit more remote areas where the winners aren't going to be competitive in, you know, the, the biggest race, but they get an opportunity to run for, I think it's 400,000 to the winner for that little dance. So that was probably the better race for my horse, but when you accept you don't have a choice, then look, I think he earned a, earned a crack at the better ones yesterday with his win. It was it was very good and, um, yeah, happy to give him that opportunity. This was the last chance to get in. Did you take it, was it Coffs Harbour you took him? Yes, yeah, he ran second of coughs. Um, he might have snuck in there. He was on. He's, he's about on the border because he's quite a highly rated horse for for the horses that have run second. Um, but this obviously just um, definitely confirms that. And um, yeah, he's going to be down on the limit. Wait, we'll try and get Reese back on him. That he might have a ride. If he can't ride him, I think Kathy O'Hara will be able to ride him, and he'll be on the limit. So you know, a soft draw again. Be draws are very important to this horse. Um, if he can get a soft draw again, he'd be he'd be in the finish. I'm sure. He rode him extremely well. Only a race caller, which I am, would, would uh, be interested in this. Those, the colours that the key of the castle, I'm trying to, are they your colours? No, no. So they're, 
Um, they belong, most all, all horses racing them are, are owned by uh, Tim Ungar from Perth and Anthony Ricks. Okay. They're two of my longest term clients and they, uh, they've they raced um, Terra Vista, they were in Eduardo, Ball of, Ball of Muscle. Not all of them race in those colours, no. but they're, um, they're two great clients of mine and uh, got a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, they came in on this horse as well. I re- you you solved the, the puzzle. The, the horse I was thinking of that carried these colours, I think, was Ball of Muscle. Ball of Muscle, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Joe, congratulations again on the Everest. I know it's um, you know, it's a long time in racing, seven or eight days, but uh, you must still be on cloud nine. Can you just update us a bit? Um, we think about it. It looks like you'll, you'll give him one more run in the Giga Kick Stakes. But oh, I've read a fascinating interview with you last week when you said... You are really keen to get him out in trip next campaign to potentially a Doncaster Mile. And you even mentioned the Queen Elizabeth over two thousand metres. That that would surprise a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Look, and, and that's that's something we'll be I'll be guided by as he as he gets into preparation whether we could actually stretch him that far. But um, I wouldn't think he'd have any trouble running a mile given he's already won a Stradbroke. And yeah, Stradbroke winners, as we know, need to be need to be strong um, beyond fourteen hundred metres because it's such a testing race. So. He's bred to do um, exactly that, run, run those longer trips. And I look at the horse, and it's quite, been quite amazing over the last month. Um, he's, he doesn't look ready yet. He's not, he's not there in the coat. He still doesn't carry enough condition. He's still quite immature. So to be doing what he's doing um, at the moment is, is quite astonishing to, to me because he, uh, I can only imagine he's going to be, but I'm pretty confident he's going to be a lot better in six or 12 months' time when he, when he sort of furnishes feels that that big frame a bit starts carrying some weight and um, yeah he, he he could be quite well I think he already is but he's on his way to being um, quite a remarkable horse. I think the quote that was attributed to you was he was a, a miler uh, masquerading as a sprinter but this fascinates me what Ben was just talking about going forward conceivably could you just train this horse think about it purely as a sprinter for the rest of his career? Could you do oh. that? Yeah, of course, I could. of course I could, and, and you know that's what I've been. Uh, that's what I've done with with Private Eye. Is he was a um, Queensland Guineas winner, an Epsom winner, and um, and he ran in the McKinnon Stakes and ran mm. fastest last six hundred in the McKinnon Stakes there one year. So, uh, you know, it's all about finding the best possible version of any given horse. That's my job as a trainer, and then and then placing them appropriately. So. I, I'm not going to die wondering whether, and I've been asked the question, why would I try and stretch him out of the ground when he's such a good sprinter? Well, I'm not going to die wondering whether this horse can run a mile because if, if this horse was by, you know, I'm invincible and, and built like a, um, a brick, you know what, I, I wouldn't even be try, uh, contemplating this. But he's by, he's by, so you think, he's second hand mm. by Zabil. Um, and he physically, he looks a, a distance horse. Um, so I've got to find out. The autumn's the perfect opportunity to do that. I'm not foregoing, you know, a chance to run in, in next year's Everest by doing that. And if he doesn't, you know, doesn't run a strong mile in the Doncaster, well, I'd probably just have, have him back there next year in the in the Everest. And if if he does run a strong mile, he'll be there in the King George. And are, are you King Charles? Sorry, King Charles. Your, your Everest winner, think about it, and Private Eye. Are they going to clash in the gig kick, or are you tempted to send Private Eye to Melbourne? And uh, I think they're going, they're going to clash. They're going to clash. Well, at this stage they are. Look, if it was wet on 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 that day, I'd I'd consider waiting another week for Private Eye. But he's running for a total 1.8 in Melbourne, and it's close to four million in Sydney. Once you've taken the bonuses in, this is for Private Eye. And think about it, it's the same. He's he's a little bit higher, so it's hard to justify running him for half the prize money. Only one can win it. We know that, but you can make a pretty good case for Private Eye. Being able to, to being able to turn the tables, given he had such a tough run in the Everest, I'm not saying he, he definitely will do it, but it's 
it's a different race in three weeks' time. It was a race he was super impressive in last year, Private Eye. And if he matches, replicates that performance, then um, I'm, not, I'm not sure. You know, I mean, obviously, think about it. It's the, probably the number one pick out of the stable at the moment. But uh, I've been in this, this position before, and they don't follow the script horses. So um, we'll see. Will the, the same people carry the think about it slot next year, or is that too early to mention or so? Um, no, I think that would be the case if you were there. Yes, I think that would be the case. But I mean, finding a slot to think about it is not really <laughs> high on my agenda of things to do for today, guys. So, not, yeah. not, not a major problem at all. Thanks for joining us, Joe. Thanks for your time. Great, thank you. Joe Pride joining us this morning. Now, I thought you were making this up last week when what? you said, because um, I wasn't at. Um, was it Eagle Farm last week? I was at Eagle Farm on Everest Day when you said last week on air that they sang Sweet Caroline mm. and we had Peter Landis on. I, I thought you were half making it up, but yesterday before the Caulfield Cup, Sweet Caroline bled out everywhere at Eagle Farm. It's like they've copied it. Was yeah, well, but I don't know if Sweet Caroline was a song for yesterday. I think it's the one that's really associated with the Everest. Mm. Maybe just... Um, it got me up and about on a pretty bland old Tenerife cup. I was up and about for it. I liked it. Did you sing anything? Yeah, a few bars. Of course you did. (laughs) Let's go to the other main event at Royal Randwick yesterday. This was the Five Diamonds Prelude. Amazing, isn't it? A prelude worth a million dollars. Here's the replay. Wadi goes leads inside the 600. Wadi goes just really stoked up. Mississippi Prince on the outside, sealed up to keep up. Three lengths away to zoom on from Palmetto, running on OK. Further back to Converge, Waterford looking for room as they race inside the 250. And Wadi goes leads out by a length and a half now. Palmetto starting to lengthen, giving chase. Further back, Detonator Jack making ground on the rails. Waterford uh, is grinding away. Detonator Jack going after Palmetto. Palmetto, now Waterford hitting top gear. Palmetto, Waterford, Detonator, Jack, three-way go. Oh, not sure here. Three of the minute. Waterford, the outside of Palmetto, and uh, right up there is Detonator, Jack. Then came Democracy Manifest late from St. Lawrence, Faulkner Park, goes. Then came Mississippi Prince from Super Helpful, Cotillo. Uh, Converge, Zoom on, and a gap back in the field to Altivo and New Republic. I checked the official margins on this race. This was as close to a triple dead heat as you would get, but the judge found in favour there was a margin there for Palmetto over Detonator Jack and Waterford in third. John Sargent, Palmetto's trainer, joins us on Past the Post. John, good morning. Good morning, guys. Did you think you'd won? It was desperately close. If Just watching it, I was watching it at Eagle Farm. I thought Waterford might have won. What did you think? Yeah, well, when we were before the post and we were in front then, so... I thought maybe we'd have won, and then I didn't realise it was so close until they showed the replay, and then, thank crikey, the photo went up, and his head was down at the right time. Everything's aligning for you, isn't it, John? Uh, as a as a Kiwi and Kiwi owners in this horse, you you got the uh, the All Blacks into the Rugby World Cup um, final <laughs> yesterday as well. Everything's everything's coming up, Sergeant. I know. I thought it was a, a perfect day actually to get the boys in the final, and then um, to find out that. Uh, we play South Africa, and then the the owners were over from New Zealand for the win, and a million-dollar stake, you know, fantastic for them. John, this horse had nine starts in New Zealand before um, he came to Australia. His first campaign in the summer of last year, on face value, it, it looked pretty ordinary. Is, is that too harsh a comment? Yeah, I'd say worse than that. It was, I thought, what have I got here? But what <laughs> happened? <laughs> you know, what happened? He came from the South Island, and... Uh, during the winter and he just arrived and he was just so weak and um, 
and he looked like a, a year younger than he should have been. And um, I just had to, he had those few runs. I was like, boy, you know, he's just got to go out, and he did. And then he came back, and he was still weak. And I just had to put him in and out until he uh, he came came right, you know. Mm. John, you must you obviously talk to a lot of people in New Zealand. Prize money over there has, has been an issue. They must just fall over when they see, as David mentioned before, a prelude race that is worth a million dollars. That's extraordinary, isn't it? I know. <laughs> These Kiwi owners from down the South Island, they wouldn't have a house worth that. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, they were astounded. It came to me because... Um, the manager of the syndicate I used to train for uh, before, and um, they obviously saw the stakes here, and they said this horse, uh, you know, has uh, got to get over here for the stakes, and um, uh, that's why they brought him over. And um, I think this horse wants to hit to rain affect the track, will even improve more because he loves the wet tracks, and he hasn't had one since he's been here. Yeah, and we shouldn't forget either. He's already been a good money spinner for you because he won that, that half million dollar race at uh, Gosford. Yeah, won the coast there. That was a great day with Kieran McAvoy. And then yesterday, Kieran had to go down and uh, ride in the Caulfield Cup. So I thought Cathy's on a roll and she'd suit this horse. And um, she rode her the treat. I know she had the draw, but I just told her to wait a bit with him because he's got a quick, short, fast sprint. And she did. She waited till up the hill and then let him go. So she's had a great uh, month herself. And uh, hopefully it'll carry on for her. Yeah, exactly right. Good on you, John. Congratulations for yesterday. Thanks for being with us. Cheers, guys. Anytime. John Sargent joining us this morning, the trainer of Palmetto, who just got home. Yeah, absolutely. Just something just struck me. Uh, you know, I tipped a few on this show a couple of weeks ago, and they both won. Remember the one I gave you last Saturday? You no. didn't lose if you backed it. Put it that way. What was the call? I can't remember, but it ran in the sprint race on Wednesday, and it was crashed at the barrier. So there, there we go. Oh, that early settler. Early settler. That's it. I don't think it would have won, actually. The leader was the, so the winner was back for a stack, and... One like um, by caveat, but anyway, you're doing, you're doing good what, result. You're doing what we call getting off topic. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know why the hell you brought what, that up. That's just what I do. One more race to have a listen to from Royal Ramick, the Falante, and unspoken a galloper in form. Big weight drop yesterday as well. It ran the favourite. Inside the 600 metres, unspoken, a narrow leader from political debate in a far handier role today. Clear from Glontorn, then came Banju from Kerwin's Lane. Oh, there's a scrimmage back in the field. Uh, Wild Planet got checked back in the field and it's unspoken in front. Unspoken by a length, a length and a half now in political debate. It looks to be battling in second spot. The others are too far back and unspoken. Really starts to race away here in the hands of Andrew Atkins. There was a bit happening back in back play there but unspoken well rated in the lead and wins it comfortably political debate clung on to second in front of Wicklow then Kerwin's Lane uh, further back then to uh, Knight's Choice making headway from new mandate Kerwin Real Stockman uh, further back to looks like Elvis Glontorn dream flight yes uh, unspoken winning as expected uh uh, well rated out in front, leading all of the way. Cepheus was a scratching here. Now, of course, he's going to the big dance. They found some swelling in the near for Fetlock. Nothing too serious. He'll work tomorrow, but he'll trial at Rose Hill on Friday. So that's the uh, situation with Cepheus. We'll take a break. I'm past the post. Back to look at Eagle Farm next. Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Past the Post. Brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Taking racing ownership to the next level. 
10 races at Eagle Farm yesterday. Let's go to the St. Rita's Cup. Shibley's a galloper very much in form, and as such, he was the $2.50 favourite. The field becomes compact on straightening. 400 left to Rana and gave us up was headed off by Stuttering. Shibley drives along the rail. Magic Charlie putting on a good claim out wide. Tumbler Ridge. Great house behind them. Quality time needs to get a move on. And no one a deal was the widest runner. Shibley on the inside and Stuttering currently in a duel. Great house getting the clear running on strongly. Shibley in front 50 to go. Great house is charging but it's Shibley for the hat trick. Beat Great house Stuttering and quality time. Then came no one a deal. Tumbler Ridge gave us up and Magic Charlie last home. Shibley extended his uh, city winning sequence to three in a row. Not easy to do in town and uh, did it well. Jimmy Orman riding for Chris Waller, as I mentioned, was the $2.50 favourite. Yeah, just a winner, that horse. Uh, what about the go for quality time? The... Um one of the one of the three Chris Waller runners in that race, I think it was seven dollars was bet started three dollars and was officially four dollars forty, I think, into three dollars, maybe even shorter at one point. But uh, never got a look in Shibley, just too good. Yeah, quality time to me raced flat second up maybe because it held a position just behind Shibley and then seemed to lose a length or so between the eight hundred and the four hundred and then was just uh, was just you know fairly plain in the straight. Shibley wasn't plain. Orman, Jimmy Orman, the man who wrote, is on the line. Jimmy, good morning. Morning, Dave. Morning, Ben. How are we? We're well, and you're well as well. Uh, you rode Shibley when he won a Doom and three runs ago, and then Thorne and Damien Thorne and rode him at Eagle Farm. Uh, I thought those wins were very impressive, coming from from the back and and you know running good sectionals. The win yesterday was a bit more tradesman like than those two wins. Yeah, it's been running super. Obviously, the day at yeah at Doom, and I had a bad gait, and I sort of sucked, went back and. Uh, just sort of rode for a touch of luck and then got out at the sort of 500 and hit the line good. And then obviously the horse went down in weight and I couldn't ride it, but it was good to get back on. And um, yeah, yesterday was good. Good to see, you know, able to hold a bit more of a more prominent support, a spot from a good gate and um, was too good. Obviously, you ride winners for a whole stack of trainers, winners everywhere. But do you do you walk a bit taller when you ride a, a winner for Chris Waller? It's It's pretty cool, right? Oh, for sure. I think anyone would say that he's the, one of the biggest in Australia. So, yeah, it's awesome to be riding his horses in Queensland. Do, do you ever hear from him, Jimmy, or do you just deal with with, with lofty Brett Killian, his, his man in Queensland, or do you, do you occasionally, out of the blue, get a message from Chris himself? Yeah, occasionally I'll get a message. Um, but, yeah, not, not often. Um, yeah, just sort of deal through Brett Killian. It's a massive operation they're running there. So I'm sure Chris is... Um, obviously doing the instructions and that, and then I'm hearing it secondhand off Brett. So, yeah, I work really well with Brett Killian. He's a great bloke. He does a tremendous job. I mentioned it's not easy to win three races in a row in the city, particularly at the higher level, which Shibley's at. So it gets a bit difficult to sort of place this horse. Now, does the question I'll put to you, and, and Chris and, and, and Brett will work out where he goes to, but uh, he's been very good at the mile. Uh, do you think that, he can cope with 1,800, maybe even 2,000? Yeah, I think so. Um, horses won over 2,100 before, so, um, yeah, I think that'll suit here. Um, there's something over a little bit further. I don't see why why it wouldn't be a trouble. You obviously rode another winner on the day too, Shah of Goma for Chris Waller. Um, but we've got to ask you, the Dubai opportunity, uh, going over there for, I think, 11 days, riding in a couple of meetings for Michael Costa, who's obviously training over there for a, a rich shake. 
What an opportunity, Jimmy. You must be absolutely thrilled to get that. Yeah, I'm really wrapped to be able to go over there and, and um, ride in Dubai. It's going to be awesome. We can't wait. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a massive opportunity. I, I mean, I know it's only the start of the season and it's there are no sort of big races, but just the fact to be riding at Maidan and Jabel Ali is just awesome. Can't wait. And um, it'd be awesome to link up again with um, Michael Costa. Just before you go, what's your best ride of the Sunshine Coast? Help out our listeners. Give us a tip. <laughs> tip. I reckon Mr. Hemsworth can win if you... It's about... Um, it's actually not one of the fancy picks in the race, in the, um, in the race but mm. its trial was good the other day. I know it loves a plaything, but it, um, I really think it can win today. Race five, number one. Have a good day, mate. All right. Thanks, David. Thank you, Ben. Jimmy Orman joining us this morning. Race five, number one, Mr. Hemsworth. There's the tip for the day. Yeah. Excellent. Good one. from you. <laughs> what? <laughs> one more what, replay. What before. price is it? I don't know. I'll check it. Can you look, at, you look it up? Let's have a listen to Munitions win. We'll check the price out. Here's race nine yesterday. 700 left to run. Celestial Solar Munitions share the front. Snow Zone sitting pretty in third, open minded in four. Then Light of Boom, followed by Pocket Faller. Just struck up in some traffic as Romanorius went by it. Star Virgo inside that pair, then sneak preview. Sweet Margot May trying to thread the needle with ground to make up and trying to push into the clear. Jenny Wider and Acrobatic right down the outside. Munitions went to Celestial Solar. Snow Zone went up to the pair. Then came Light of Boom. Sweet Margot May still five off them. Munitions and Celestial Solar. Snowzone now coming at the pair. And then came Light of Boom and Pocketful. Star Virgo running out of room. Munitions is just in front, getting close to home. Putting in a dive, Snowzone Munitions. Snowzone and Star Virgo flew home and was unlucky. Pocketful not far away out wide, then Celestial Soul. Light of Boom. Then came Jenny, followed by... At the head of the others was uh, Acrobatic. Sweet Margot May, not the clearest of paths, but never really got into it. Then Sneak Preview, Roman Aureus, and out towards the tail was Open Minded. Yeah, she ran 10th, Sweet Margot May, but she was found to have bled in both nostrils, so she'll be still down for three months. So that was a, a pretty ordinary start for her campaign. Yeah, absolutely no joy for those who backed her. There was a, another fascinating race there, which we won't play, David, but the protest... Uh, between a vocateur who ran second uh, and Corfe Castle in the benchmark 68. Uh, Martin Harley fired in a protest there. Gee, it was a fascinating one. Um, the second place getter veered in a lot, um, but then the winner veered out, and they sort of met in the middle. And Martin Harley argued that it cost him momentum, it cost him the win, uh, the margin was only a nose. Uh, but CJ Graham said... Basically, her horse was interfered with as much as the other horse, and stewards ended up ruling they couldn't be satis- satisfied which horse cancelled so, out. So, yeah, it, effectively, it was like a, a concertina effect. They both came together, um, and they said that neither jockey had to stop riding. But look, it was—I think that on balance, personally, the right decision was made. But it was an interesting one. You could make cases either way. Yeah, I think there was some that thought the protest might have been upheld. But I will say one thing, and it's—it will say for another day. It's bloody hard to get a practice upheld these days in Australia. And I'm not just talking about Queensland, I'm talking about every state. But we'll talk about that at another time. But we'll talk tomorrow on, on uh, Press Room as well. Have you got some, something good for me tomorrow? It's a secret, David. Fair enough. And uh, no secret, folks, of course, that Press Room is on tomorrow with all of our regular panellists. Hope you join me tomorrow morning. But you have a good day. Bye-bye.